This episode is brought to you by the expanding line of Honda Talon Sport Side-by-Sides. Choose between two and four seat models and from Talons with Fox Q3S manually adjustable suspension or with the revolutionary self-adjusting Fox Live Valve suspension. More models, more choices, more technology. Honda's Talons are showing the rest of the off-road world just how good a side-by-side -side can be. Hey guys, welcome to the Motorcyclist Podcast. With us today is my good buddy and world-renowned photographer, Garth Milan. Garth, welcome to the uh, podcast today. Hey Adam, what's happening, man? Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, bringing me on. Now, for all you guys at home, if you don't know the name Garth Milan, Garth is a world-famous photographer and I'm sure you've seen his images, you know, in magazines, in advertisements, billboards, on television, just you name it. This guy has shot exquisite photos of it, whether it was in print magazines for, you know, the, the companies used to work for, whether it's Red Bull, other big name manufacturers. You've shot it, dude. Well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate that. And um, yeah, it's definitely been... Uh, over 20 years now of a lot of a lot of crazy stories and and cool places I've seen and cool photos I've shot so it's been a long run but it's been a lot of fun and um, thanks for having me on yeah awesome dude awesome let's start a little bit about where you came from a little company called Dirt Rider Dirt Rider <laughs> it was, yeah I was yeah. gonna say I, our know, sister company yeah Dirt Rider was my origins for sure. So back in the 90s, back in 98, um, I hooked up with Ken Fott at Dirt Rider, mm -hmm. and he kind of gave me my start into photography and journalism in general with dirt bikes. Yep. So he was kind of my segue into it all, and he gave me a couple articles to write, and a couple little things as kind of, I think, tests, and I did well with those, and so that turned into you know, more opportunities, and I just, every time he'd give me another opportunity, I'd try to do you know, a really good job at it, and so that blossomed into becoming the editor at large at Dirt Rider. So I was there at, you know, basically full time at Dirt Rider, uh, working out of the office there. And at the time it was in um, LA. No way. Yeah, it was in uh, Beverly Hills actually. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. just real quick for anyone who's listening, Dirt Rider is part of the Octane Lending family. So it's a yeah, sister so, publication yeah. right now. And it is a portal where you can read about all things dirt bike dirt bikes exactly so we shared the 17th story of the peterson building at the time it was called uh-huh and it was this big downtown. peterson owned peterson exactly. publishing owned, owned dirt rider exactly yep gotcha. so they owned dirt rider and, and so, what year is this again i'm sorry and this is in the late 90s like 1998. wow okay yep so we were in the 17th floor there and we were um the whole floor was all motorcycle publications so it was uh, dirt Rider and it was MX Racer with the two mo the two uh, dirt ones and then I'm pretty sure Motorcyclist was there. I'm not sure if you were part of that at that point. But I, there were several. There was there were like you know there were street bike ones. There were it was the whole floor was all different power sports and motorsports pubs. Amazing. Yeah. I so. I wasn't a part of the of the organization back then, but I remember just from you know looking in the archives that you know Motorcyclist magazine was owned by Peterson Publishing at, yeah, at one exactly. point. Yeah, exactly. So they would have been like one of the staffs that was in 
on our floor. So wow. we, so the whole floor was like, so, you know, we had different cubicles and different offices and it'd be kind of segmented to where, you know, the, the dirt guys were over here and then the motor, the, you know, street bike guys were over here. And yep. the, so, so yeah, but it was a, so that's where I got my start. Why then, in Beverly Hills for God's sakes? I think that's just because that's where Peterson was and Peterson was a huge uh, publication or just publishing, publishing entity. Yeah. And so they had multiple titles. Wow. So they had everything from like, you know, I think they had like 17 or like, like a lot of those teenage magazines oh, wow. and like lifestyle magazines. So it was everything. So that's why I said like we were just one floor, but mm -hmm. like every floor was like a different, you know, some of them were like a lifestyle, uh, you know, it was like a baby, like they were baby publications. Uh -huh. There was like a ton of, at that time it was like back in the heyday of magazines. So there were, I can't even remember how many actual titles there were, but there were a ton of, of actual published titles from from there and it was obviously before the internet or anything like that so it yeah was just magazines and that was it how much times have changed in the last 22 right? 23 years <laughs> crazy, crazy yeah. man crazy so what was your primary job function back in the late 90s at dirt rider said so you were editor at large i was the editor at large so basically i was kind of in between photographing and writing stories for for everything from testing to i wasn't really doing too much event coverage at that point it was more I would say testing and product testing and also photography. So I would do, I would go to like their, so they used to have this big thing back in the nineties called the, the it was, they had a, a Peterson ranch it was called. So it was just awesome. Like one of the most amazing places I've ever ridden. And they used to have this, this 24 hour event where you, where all the manufacturers would show up and they would do this dirt rider 24 hour test. It was kind of like a, it was like a notorious test back in the day where Every, we would all all the staff would ride the bikes for 24 hours straight all the way through the night on this on this amazing it was like a 14 mile loop in this at this ranch and so that was like one of my first uh, like one of my first memories of working there is like shooting the the 24 hour test and that was Dude, a huge who, thing who owned this thing who owned this uh, piece the, of property mr peterson the, what the person that the yeah he was a like a billionaire and he owned the whole publishing group and that was so he had this property and so at some point I'm pretty sure one of the one of the staff members there, Dirt Rider, is probably Ken Fodder, one of those one of those guys, hit them up and said, "Hey, like, can we use your ranch to do this test?" So they ended up making this massive off-road loop there, and it was insane. I mean, it was like one of the one of the most fun off-road loops to this day I've ever done. And, and so we would have like the bike, like we would do like a they had different categories and so we would test like all the different bikes from that year and we'd mount these like massive PL lights on the front of the bikes because back then like the bikes didn't have n nothing came with the headlights yeah. for the most part and so, this like, isn't led have, headlights this is the halogen. no no like this those is big like, huge ones that yeah. were like this big massive yeah, yeah. your and iphone so, flashlight is probably brighter now <laughs> totally but it was really fun it was a super fun test so that was one of my first memories and then how i really like got my first big in was it was uh 1998 and i um it was anaheim supercross and so they got me a, a credential to go shoot photos in the pits and kind of help out with like you know, pit tidbits. Yep. And that's what it was called, pit tidbits. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> it was something like that. Yeah, yeah like probably like, pit tidbits. Something that's like, like that. a nineties yeah. term. So, so I was in the pits, like doing doing my thing. And at some point, um, back then, it was a little more lax with security. So at some point, I ended up sneaking, basically sneaking onto the field of the of the Supercross race at Anaheim. Uh -huh. And I ended up getting this. They're just the total coincidence. Like, long story short. The, the shot they wanted of <clears throat> Ezra Lusk in for the cover. So wow. basically I went from being like 
Grom kind of like doing nothing, just getting my feet wet, kind of like, you know, a couple little little things here and there to get in the cover like my first time I ever went to a race. Wow. So that was pretty, I mean, in hindsight, a lot of just luck really, but like it all worked out. And so that solidified me and kind of gave them some confidence in me. And so from that point on, Ken fought started saying like, hey, like let's bring you on to more things. And so it all kind of snowballed. And so next thing I knew, I was like basically working there full time as I was finishing up college. Nice, dude. So I was and where just, was college at? I was going to Cal State Long Beach. Okay, so it was a little bit of a hike to go Long Beach. Oh, dude, it was else. like a two-hour drive, yeah, Jeez. with traffic and stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. It was like it was probably thirty-five miles, but it was I had to be there at the worst times at uh, traffic, so it would take me like you know, like hour and a half to two hours each each way. What kind of hours were they working back then? Like, like I was working regular, kind of nine to five. Okay, yeah, exactly. So, so I was. Everyone had to be in the office. This is pre-COVID, right? You oh had yeah, to be yeah, there. absolutely. Nine absolutely. to five, nine to one. You're getting written up. And I wasn't even full full time technically. I was editor at large, so. Okay. I was like technically not even full time, but but they anytime I wasn't in school, I was going into the office. Yep. So basically, I was working there enough to, and then and then they ended up offering me a full time job, but I was six months away from. I was like one more semester from graduating. Uh huh. So I I just was like, oh, I can't take it because I need I want to finish the yep. you know finish school. So I right when I got my degree that same semester, during that time, that's when uh, Don Maeda from Transworld ended up talking to me about starting Transworld. So, wow, dude. So, yeah, so basically it went from... So you were a founding father of Transworld Motocross. Yep, yep. Wow. So it was just me and Don in the beginning, just he and I. So so he he approached me and said, you know, are you interested in, in starting this, ma- this Transworld magazine? And what year is this? This is like and 1999. This is in, this is in uh, probably late 1999. Okay. Maybe wow. early 2000, but uh-huh. I would say probably late 1999. Yep. So... And I was like, absolutely, because at that point I grew up skateboarding and snowboarding. So uh-huh. to me, that was like a huge like title, and I was like, oh, like for sure, I'm, you know. And I kind of envisioned more of like a photo-heavy magazine that was going to be super artistic and and kind of more like skateboard, snowboard culture versus like a motocross action or a dirt bike. Yeah. So I was like, I was in picturing this thing of like. Like I kind of felt like those those other titles were kind of like old school, and I was picturing this new thing of like, okay, this is going to be like the new, cool shit to to get into. And it was, man. So yeah, so I yeah. kind of and I like I, in we had an awesome designer at the time, and so I mean we've always had awesome designers. We always had awesome designers at Transworld. So yeah, I just really felt like it was a great opportunity for me to like you know kind of take take a big step, and even though. The safe bet was to stay with Dirt Rider, and you know Ken gave me so many opportunities, and I'm forever, forever grateful for that. But at the same time, you know, being a young person and and just getting into it and seeing the opportunity of like I can actually make make more of a dent versus just sticking with the old the old the old thing that was like a guaranteed. Whereas like I could go to a new place and actually you know call more shots and actually have more of a creative input into making something great you know so oh dude you don't gotta explain that to me yeah. i totally get it that's yeah. that's definitely the way to go so that was know? like a so that was a big thing so i as much as i felt horrible telling ken because he gave me so many opportunities to get where i had gotten i just had to tell him like look you know i'm young i have to do this for myself and for you know for my own well-being mm-hmm. so that was a tough conversation but once i did that it was you know the rest is history it was awesome because i started with don and we ended up you know, we the magazine was super successful and basically gave me my footing at, to get where to where I am now. You know, because of all the, you know, all those things we did and all the 
shots we you know photographs we took and everything else like that's like even though i learned a ton in college that was like the catalyst to to bring me to the next level to have the opportunities to be able to shoot so much and so many different things and so many different levels so mm -hmm. so that was the you know that really formed where i am now nice man so you did your tenure at trans trans world motocross you know and then you transitioned into doing you know your own kind of thing with your your other buddies you know yep. so yep. maybe talk about that a little bit yep so so in i think it was 2008 the art director from Transworld, <clears throat> as well as the managing editor, so it was Ryan and Lewis, good friends of mine, and we were all, everybody, everybody on staff was all good friends. Mm -hmm. But we just decided that at that point, like again, it was like one of those things. Like there was no animosity towards Transworld; we loved it there. But we were looking at the next step of all of our careers yep. and trying to go to the next, you know, next level. Everyone, everybody wants to improve themselves. Yep. So. That was our, that was kind of like what we thought of, like, we all had the idea of like, hey, let's form this thing. Let's form this creative group and start basically doing all of our talents separately, but also together and form this creative agency and start doing agency work. So we started doing, you know, advertising and agency stuff through the medium creative group. So that's, that's where I was for several years. And those guys are still going strong and I still do a ton of work with them. And um, yeah, it's a great, a great group. And so I'm, you know, definitely again, same as, just as hard as is telling Ken that I was leaving to go to Transworld, mm -hmm. it was just as hard for me to tell Don at Transworld that I was leaving to start this group. Yep. But at the same time, it had nothing to do whatsoever with my situation there because it was a great situation and a great opportunity. But it was just, you know, trying to better myself and taking that next step to the next level of of my life and that was you know i saw that as an opportunity around that same time i started getting a ton of jobs with red bull mm -hmm. and red bull was one of our first really great big clients in the in the beginning yep and so they were wanting me to shoot all these other things besides just motocross which my background was already like before before joining the magazine stuff i was shooting that stuff in college because i was a photojournalism major mm -hmm. so i already had like that I was already kind of used to shooting different things besides just dirt bikes, even though I had such a passion for motorcycles and loved them, and I always have. I always and will. you skateboarded, snowboarded, skateboarded, wakeboarded, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so exactly. Cal exactly, exactly. Yeah. So loved all that stuff, but at the same time, I didn't want to only shoot dirt bikes forever. Like even though I love it, I I wanted I like shooting other things, and oh. it's like. Creatively, like you just want to have different things to. Oh, dude! I mean, just like when we hang out, dude, we're not always riding dirt bikes. We're riding mountain, mountain bikes, bikes, and we're exactly. going doing this. Then like we're going boating, and we're doing this, and then we're that, and you know, exactly. variety's yeah. a spice of life. Exactly, yep. you have to have that. So, so I think that that was a that was one of the reasons too that I was like, all right, I saw so many opportunities with Red Bull telling me like, hey, let's go shoot cliff diving, and let's go yep. shoot. You know, I mean, they shoot, they do everything, any sport, pretty much any cool sport or uh, cultural event that you could imagine. Red Bull most likely has some sponsor, somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, or is in that avenue in some way. So <clears throat> I just it's saw that It's easy to forget as, that, man. Yeah, you I mean, know, but think of it. It's easy to forget like, that. They had a guy jump from the... The Mars yeah. from outer <laughs> like, space. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Felix I mean, Baumgartner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He jumped from outer space yeah. into mm -hmm. Earth. <laughs> so you have stuff like that, 
And then you have, I mean, talk about the skating. The, the, remember the ice hockey thing they have? Oh the yeah, yeah, Red crashed Bull. ice. Yeah, yeah. Yep. what's even that? I don't That's know what it's about. That's an amazing event. And again, like, like not to say that there's, you know, in a way, like shooting supercross or motocross and like a normal, you know, temperature and everything else is awesome. You go there, it's negative twenty five degrees, and yeah. it's like one of the hardest, like, like logistically shoots you can do same with like red bull rampage super uh-huh. hard oh the but big air mountain bike mountain bike yeah but it's big like air. such a cool like it's like a it, i don't know it's hard to describe it's like you overcome like you overcome so many obstacles and it makes it such an awesome thing to yeah. shoot because it's so hard yet so like satisfying or gratifying when you actually get it done and you do it so it's like you put all this hard work in like the rampage thing i mean you're literally scaling the side of that cliff all day long just back and forth and like there's times when i think that my heart's gonna fall out of my chest because my heart rate's probably 200 beats per minute but like i don't care because i'm not gonna miss that next guy's run and i'm gonna get to that next place so like you go through these things and it that's that's what really makes like certain things like to me as a creator, mm-hmm. like that's what I love about it. So that's why I was like, man, I, it's, it's harder to do this stuff, but at the same time, it's more gratifying, challenging, all these other things. And creatively, I'm gonna be better for it than just going to another dirt bike race, which great is great for sure. And I'm not discounting that at all. I love dirt bikes, but I just saw more to it than just doing that. So yep. that's, that was like a really big part of me wanting to, go off in this on the creative group and doing more advertising more you know jobs with the red bull just different things that were above and beyond things that i'd already done because i just really always like to kind of challenge myself or push myself to that next level of like what you know what's okay i got this down what can i do what's the next thing to do now so. one size never fits all and neither does one style off-roaders are individualists and that means they want to do things their way honda understands and that's why the Talon family of sports side-by-sides just keeps growing. With two and four seat models, the Honda Talons help create amazing adventures for the whole family. See what Talon is best for your family at talon.honda.com. So, what's some of the other companies that you've worked for, you know, recently? Uh, or big name companies were like, oh, that was sick, you know? Uh, I just recently, recently got my last shoot was for Harley Davidson, which was a, kind of a bucket list for me because... Awesome, it's man. Always, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, they've, they've always... oldest... Yeah, exactly. It's one of those companies that I grew up as a kid, like kind of idolizing or thinking was cool. And to that, have them, you know, basically hit me up to do a, a shoot was, was really cool. And I was really stoked on that. And, it, and the shoot was awesome. We had a great time. So, um, so yeah, we, I did just did it with something with them. I've done a ton of really cool stuff with Yamaha this year. Um, you know, there's just so many different companies that have been so, so awesome. This year we did a really cool one with Specialized and that's another one where it's like, you know, is I get, I basically- Specialized bicycles. Bicycles, yes. Yep. I get spoiled by, uh, or not spoiled, but like I take for granted, I do so much work for so many great, great companies in the motorsports industries. But when I get to do something for, something for a different company like that that is a company that I really look up to, I really like their products or their marketing or whatever, which is specialized as a great example, mm-hmm. when, they, when they hit me up to do a shoot, I was super excited to do it because I'm not only an avid mountain biker, but I've owned specialized stuff for years now and I'm just a big fan of the brand. So 
Dude, that they was must another be killing one. it like, right now. They must oh, they're just crushing. Be yeah. Just printing like, money. Insane. Like they can't they can't make bikes fast fast enough. I mean, it's like it's crazy. So, yeah, so there's they're another company that I've felt really fortunate to be able to to do something do something with and and kind of again, outside the realm of power sports doing something that follows my interests of of uh, mountain biking. So, that was really Yeah, cool. dude. Yeah. You know, if you can mix your hobby with your business, it makes everything that much more good. Yeah, exactly. Dude, talk about a little bit about the equipment you use. You know, are you taking photos with your iPhone, you know, thirteen triple XL Max, or what are you? What are <laughs> well, you? Well, crazy you story. Some of this content with a crazy story. I literally just like this week or this these last few weeks have migrated over from going from uh, digital cameras DSLRs. Mm-hmm. To a mirrorless. Okay. So now I'm going full mirrorless. I wow. basically nice, sold man. all of my, all of my uh, DSLR stuff now. Yep. And now I only have mirror. I'm going only mirrorless. So I have two Canon R5 bodies, and next Canon year mir- mirrorless. Not Canon even mirrorless. not even Sony mirrorless. Yeah. Canon. Wow. Yep. Wow. R5. So they have. Um, I mean, they're amazing. They have 45 megs- megapixels or 46 megapixels the image. So uh-huh. it's almost. It, I think it's. Maybe more over double the the image size uh-huh. uh, that I had previously on my one DX Mark II, which yep. I was shooting with prior. Mm-hmm. So they have and that's that. a ten thousand dollar camera, isn't it? It's like Eight. a six seven thousand okay. something okay. like that. Yep, yep. So that so this new one not only does it have the megapixels, but also your the whole frame is you you have your focus points across the entire frame, whereas my old camera only had them in the center. Oh, so yeah. that's another huge thing. And I mean, there's just there's so many so many things about it, and I was kind of skeptical at first, and I was wondering how I'd like it, and I took it on this last on this big Harley job that I just mm-hmm. did, and it was pretty nerve wracking to go for like a big shoot like that, and you know, like my first time and working you're with a new your client. Equipment, and I'm basically man. testing Jeez, my equipment. Jeez, dude. Yeah. It was, I hope they're not listening to this right now. Like I literally, <laughs> I think I told them this though, but I, I literally got the the stuff like. Like day, like days before I uh-huh. left to go on this shoot, yep. you know, and I was like, oh, I hope it, hope my lens arrives or whatever, uh-huh. like yeah, yeah, checking yeah. my tracking and stuff. But um, but yeah, it all worked out. And like I will say, the first like probably hour of shooting, I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> I was like kind of panicking, and I was like, I was, I just wasn't feeling it. I just because like I'm just so used to oh, how dude, my it takes cameras, time to to break like, in your equipment. It'd yeah, be like dude. if someone gave you a new keyboard and they're like. We're gonna switch the alphabet around for you, and you you have to like, I, after a while you get, it maybe was a more efficient way of typing or something, but like, for a, the first like while you're gonna be like, wait, I'm so used to typing on the old. It's just like if you're riding a KX450 all season, and someone gave you a Yamaha YZ450S, like, okay, man, go yeah, put in go. three flying laps on this. Yeah. We're gonna time you. We're exactly. gonna time you. Yeah, go. Exactly. Like so, what? So yeah. I was a little bit of a fish out of water at first, and I felt like really kind of uncomfortable but then within excuse me within an hour i was just loving the thing and then by the by the end of day one i was already sold and by the end of the week-long shoot i was like all right i'm selling all my stuff like full going for it i mean because i just like everything works that well so i'm super excited about it it's cool because for us like uh, as photographers we haven't had that many exciting things come out recently like in the last five ten years even really like this since, is a big change you think? yeah like since digital can't like the last big change like this was when i went from doing film 
to digital, uh-huh. basically. And then that was like a huge step to drop film and go to digital. And then obviously that was like way better. And then like once I got it all dialed and once the film, the cameras were really good and everything else. So now this is like the next big, it's like if you do plateaus, this is the next big plateau up is to go from shooting digital SLR to mirrorless. So yeah, it's just like that, that much better. It's, it's crazy. Wow, man, I'm going to go home and uh, put some stuff on eBay tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other stuff's still really good. The, like the DSLR stuff's really great too, but it's just, it's just like, it's just the, the future, you know, it's like yep. the next, like they're just able to do that much more. And plus the thing is too, is like all the companies now are putting all their money into developing R and D into doing the new stuff. So it'd yeah. be like, it, it'd be like, you know, when four strokes, First like we were talking out. about earlier. Exactly. Yep. So even though two strokes are awesome still yeah. in their own way. They're totally awesome. Everybody <laughs> put the money into four strokes yep. and developed those. So yep. that's where the industry went. So all the new shit and the cool best stuff was going to developing four strokes yep. versus two strokes, you know? Yep. So that's kind of a, yeah, good yeah, analogy. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Totally, totally. Uh, talk about a little bit about what, you know, you shot all kinds of different sports, whether it's, you know, ice hockey, uh, cliff jumping, diving, cliff diving, yeah, I think. Diving, yeah, 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 mountain biking. What is one of your most memorable experiences when it comes to like these photography missions? And you know, you guys at home, these photography missions, these aren't just one day things. Like these are like you're flying, you know, halfway across the world and you're spending a long time somewhere. You know, what which one is your most memorable? Where you're like, whoa, you know. Man, that's a tough one. I have a lot of a lot, a lot of crazy memorable ones, but I think for whatever reason t- the Tahiti uh trip always sticks sticks out to me and that's the one where Robbie Madison rode his motorcycle on a wave, which was this KTM yeah. two-stroke dirt bike. Yeah, which was obviously <laughs> not only just crazy in general even think of like for Matt to even think he can do that and actually do it, but just the logistics of the whole thing. That was a that was, I think, 20-something, 21 or 22 20, days yeah. in the jungle. In 2015 was, or 16, right? Yeah, I think around there, yeah. yeah. So that was, yeah, I mean, that was just logistically just crazy. And, like, we got there to Tahiti, and at that point, Robbie wasn't even comfortable doing, like, right. He wasn't even, like, the system wasn't even dialed yeah. at that point. And for you guys so at he, home, he is literally trying to ride his two-stroke dirt bike with skis and literally ride a gigantic, how big is that wave? Oh, like he was trying to get the, as big as he could get. Yeah, yeah. as big as he could get. Yeah, he wanted to get completely barreled to where the thing was like a house above him, basically. And so, yeah. And, and Robbie's not a surfer. No, no, he is. He oh, he is. is a surfer. Oh, yeah, he, okay, okay, yeah, okay, he's okay. a surfer, dude. Okay, he okay. ripped. So, like in the in the days coming up, leading up to it, they towed him in on some massive wave, like waves that I was like really impressed. I have photos of him, and actually a couple of times, like he was in his full moto gear riding weight like waves on a surfboard just like ripping i mean like big waves so he because he's australian he grew Dude, up that's surfing. insane so he, i think that was kind of like part of like the re one of the reasons he really wanted to, do, to start this whole thing was because he was a gr- grew up surfing yeah. and he like saw that connection and wanted to bridge the gap of like surfing a wave on his dirt bike so uh-huh. so that was a crazy crazy just I mean, there's so many stories like I could go on forever, but, but just the logistics of like all day, every day, f- trying to figure out the wave and then also time it with mother nature. So, uh-huh. you know, you have to wait for swells and everything else. So like, basically it was like 
this race of like developing the bike and timing it to like right when the swell was going to be there and be the biggest and everything else so it was just such a heavy thing and then cap it all off with like while uh, during the actual wave that he ended up the biggest wave he rode that he ended up crashing on uh we lost visuals of him for like two minutes so we had like two minutes where he's underwater thought he was basically dead Uh unless he can hold his breath that long which i didn't know if he could but Uh like it was just such a heavy, heavy moment because, you know, we're on radio with his wife and kids on the shore and mm-hmm. we're all, you know, and we're, we're all super close friends with with them. Mm-hmm. And we're everyone's just like in this little hub looking for for Robbie and like we can't no one can find visuals on him because the waves were that strong and the ocean was just that gnarly that day. So yeah. we just we just basically lost him for a second. So it turns out that he was he was OK and he was, you know, everything was fine. But those couple minutes, I Where just was remember, he? like, you were just like this, had this feeling of like seeing your good friend die, basically. Like, it, I can't even describe it. It's just such a heavy, gnarly feeling of like, just like horrible. And so, yeah, there's just so many things that led up to that, too. Uh-huh. And, you know, just like so much trial and tribulation to get to that point. So, yeah, I would say like just all that stuff combined. And like, we were staying in some crazy little shack on the beach and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And like, just, it was just a lot. It was a lot, but it was like a lot, like a, a really cool experience and a lot of like a really memorable one. And I would say another another one that was similar would be shooting Pikes Peak was a really crazy one, too. That mm. was like the, that was the international hill climate in yeah, Colorado that was, Springs. That was pretty wild for sure. And um, so that was like another one where, you know, I just had a lot of like it was a, like a crazy day. I got dropped off, I think, at like one thirty or two in the morning mm-hmm. up on the top of the peak. And you know, these guys launch at what, like five, like four, I think, yeah, or five. Four, I can't like remember. As soon yeah. as the sun comes but, up, or even before. Yeah, yeah, but you have to be like up there because you they can't take a chance of somebody like being in the road or anything yeah. else. So they have to like lock the place. It's a down. one-way road. So they lock the road down at I think it's like two or two thirty, and there's all these people trying to get up there and stuff mm-hmm. too. So there's like traffic jams and everything else. So I got dropped off. Yeah, like at I think two. I want to say it was like two in the morning. And then I got picked up at and like two in the morning at what? What is it, like six, fifteen thousand feet? Fourteen something, yeah. yeah. So I got dropped off at the top. So I was probably like at thirteen something, thirteen five. And it's not warm. Yeah, with and I just had whatever I had for the day. I had to have on me with my all my camera stuff, and food, everything. I got picked up. I think it was like at six o'clock at night. The, the next you know that day so 14 hours 14 hours of just being on my own trying to and i and the whole thing was for one shot so like the guy was coming up the red bull guy that i had to shoot was coming up one time and i didn't even know when Mm -hmm. so i was basically just like pacing waiting for the dude to come up and then once he came up i tried i had to try to shoot it with like every lens i had because i was trying to get as many yeah. angles as i could yeah so and that place is so so big that i could shoot him like way down with like a 400 and then the next turn he'd come up a couple corners and i could shoot a 300 yeah and then i'd switch real quick and do 72. yeah and then as he came by i would do a wide angle as yeah, he yeah, drove yeah. by so like i was trying to like maximize what athlete was it again it was uh, Sebastian Lieb. Oh, he was, like, yeah. The WRC yep. legend. Yep. And, like, and he ended up shattering the record by like over a minute that mm-hmm. year. So it was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was really cool. But at the same time, like during that day, again, like just, you know, everyone just thinks, oh, easy day of shooting photos or whatever. But like I was up there for 14 hours, no bathroom, 
no food and freezing for oh yeah like so we ended up cold, having raining probably no we got hail 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 yeah a little bit of snow rain like it was just crazy but yeah i mean that's just another like a good example of a crazy shoot day basically yeah. that is wild dude well garth this about wraps us up you know thank you for joining us how would people learn more about you or see some of some of your work how would people know about that well you can check out my website it's garthmylan.com so uh the last name's m-i-l-a-n.com um you can check out the website or um you could check out octopi media so that's the other entity i do with ryan swanberg nice and he and i do all the supercross it's uh, octopi.media. Cool. So um, it's just on Instagram or whatever. So, nice. so yeah, we don't have an actual website. We just do everything pretty much on social now yep. on Instagram. On the gram. On the gram. But um, but yeah. So and we supply photos to a bunch of different um, you know different companies throughout the industry and stuff mm -hmm. and supercross motocross stuff. But um, so he and I started about four years ago now, and um, yeah, we've been you know doing tons of stuff for shooting every single race both of us at every single race so yeah check out that that site too for all the latest like supercross motor we usually post our highlights after every single race usually on monday we post everything from the weekend so the bangers the bangers <laughs> exactly hashtag the bangers. yeah the bangers i can't so wait to see it, it man check it and thanks for having me i appreciate it, adam yeah supercross one starting off pretty soon so it is it's we're coming. all looking forward to, like, to yeah. seeing the bangers i can't wait all right buddy well thanks for joining us dude we'll see you later thanks heater you Thanks again to Honda and the line of 2021 Honda Talent 2 and 4-seat Sport UTVs. One ride in a Honda Talent and you'll see how life is better side by side. Learn more at talent.honda.com.